Hey friends, thanks for checking out this message from Believer's Chapel today. We hope that God speaks to you in a personal, powerful way. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Word of God with us. How's everybody doing today? Okay. When I was a young boy, uh, probably, you know, under the age of 10, somewhere in there, my favorite toy were Transformers. Does anybody have a Transformer? They, Transformers were like, uh, you know, I had one that was like an airplane, but it would transform into a robot, right? Or there's cars that transform, you know, trucks, different things. They transform, right? And, you know, they came out with the Transformer movies over the last decade here, but in the 80s, when this was, uh, you know, they didn't have the movies yet, but they had a cartoon, the Transformers cartoon. And the theme song, I kind of remember it. Can I sing it for you? Yeah. I'll just sing it just a little bit of it. It's like, it said, Trans- uh, Transformers, robots in disguise. Transformers, more than meets the eye. It's something like that. I can't remember the whole thing, but it's something like that. And, yeah. and I just remember, you know, them saying, you know, Transformers, more than meets the eye. I was like, that's such a cool statement, more than meets the eye. You think it's a car, but really, it transforms into this big robot that can conquer the world kind of thing, you know? So, does anybody remember these things? Transformers, right? And so uh, I remember uh, when I became a youth pastor, before I did, I did an internship, and we have an internship here, and I think internships are great. Well, I was in an internship when I was 18 years old and went through this program, and during the summer, uh, a group of us guys started a band called The Vessels. And <laughs> uh, we would go from church to church ministering. We're all like 18 to 25-year-olds. You know, I was 18. And we would go from church to church and ministering different things. And, and after the year was over, uh, the pastor that I interned with, I was at a big church in North Louisiana, and the pastor uh, got a call and said, hey, we're looking from another pastor in South Louisiana, three hours away. So we're looking for a, a, a youth pastor. And so they recommended me. And so I ended up taking the job, moved to South Louisiana, and moved in with a pastor and his wife, uh, otherwise known as Pop and Momo. They're like my second parents now, uh, although Pop just went to, went to be with Jesus this last year. But they uh, took me in their house as an almost 19-year-old and trained me for ministry. And for the next few years, I would live with them, and I was there youth pastoring for 10 years. Well, a couple years in... We were in the truck with Pop, and I was in the truck with Pop and Momo. And I remember Pop <laughs> saying to me, you know, Rich, if I could line all you guys up, talking about the, the vessels, the vessels, the band, right? Me and these other guys, there's like seven of us, I guess. If I could line you guys all up, and I put you in a row, I would have never picked you. So, <laughs> I was like, where is this going? My mind's going, uh-oh, am I fired? You know, what's going on? He says, but now that I know you, he finishes, he says, but now that I know you, I wouldn't trade you for any of those guys. And so in other words, he was saying, Rich, on the outside, <laughs> you don't look so hot, you know, but you're more than meets the eye. 
You're more than me. So what's in you is probably greater than that's on the outside of you, right? Is kind of what he was saying. You are more than meets the eye. Just like, I was like, oh, that's Transformers. You know? You are more than, look, I, just do me, just appease me for a second. Please turn to your neighbor and tell them, thank God, you are more than meets the eye. Don't say that, Mark. To, don't do that. <laughs> you are more than meets the eye. You know, we all love transformational stories. You know, uh, you know the new Batman movie just came out, but I like, the, I like Batman Begins where Bruce Wayne has to go through this transformational process to become Batman. And he's, he's got to go through all these things to fight and to learn how to fight, and it's tough and it's hard, and he, he finally becomes this fighting machine Batman, right? Uh, it's a transformation that takes place. You know, Karate Kid is a prime example. We got this weak Ralph Macchio, you know, Danielson, you know, who's this wimpy kid, and, you know, Mr. Miyagi gets a hold of him and, you know, wipe on, wax on, wax off, and all of a sudden he becomes this powerhouse karate champion. You know, he transforms from weak into this strong kid. You know, there's other movies. We love movies like that, right? Like even uh, when people go from less attractive, I won't say ugly. Oh, I did, just did. From less attractive to more attractive, like, you know, Princess Diaries or Can't Buy Me Love. You know, there's a new one on Netflix, Can't Buy Me Love 2 or something. And it's like these ugly, I mean, not as good-looking people that become really good-looking and like, you know, it's... We love these transformational stories, right? And not just the movies, but we also like it in real life. Like in our own lives, you know, I was once a baby and I couldn't walk. Now I can walk. It's a transformation, right? I can talk. We transform physically. Uh, we transform uh, internally as well. We grow in our knowledge and wisdom through school and education. And we, we, we are transformed from one thing to another, and we love when we get through the, the transformation process. Sometimes the transformation process is difficult, it's hard, but we love when we get on the other side of it because now I was once weak, but now I've been working out, I'm strong. I was once blind, right, in the Lord, but now I can see. I was once bound by sin and, the, and captivity, but now I'm free, right? This transformation, and God says it like this, it says, uh, in 2 Corinthians 3, and actually we used this scripture last week at Easter, but I'm going to uh, emphasize a different part of this scripture. Last week I talked about the veil. This week I'm going to go into a different part. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 15, it says, Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. For when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all... Right, so it's talking about this veil. We had this veil last week, and Nasir was a volunteer last week, and he came up and he had a veil over his face. And when we come to Jesus, this veil is torn, and now we can see God. But then it goes further on here, and it says, And we all who with unveiled faces, it's talking to us people, us people, <laughs> it's talking to us that believe in Christ, right? Those, the believers. It says, Now we can see God. It says, and we, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. In other words, we kind of understand it. We can see. We can, we, 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 we can see what God's about. We can see the salvation, the importance of overcoming sin, the healing process that comes with all that. And it says, we are being transformed. Everybody say it. Transformed. transformed. Into his image. We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So basically God is saying, when you have been set free, 
and you have, no longer have blinders on your eyes anymore, that God is coming and is not only transformed you, but is in the process of continuation, a continuation of transformation. That you're constantly being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. So you're growing from here to here to here to here to here to here to here. You're constantly glowing. glowing. The Bible says it in another scripture, from glory to glory. We're not supposed to be stagnant. We're not supposed to stay where we were. We're not supposed to go backwards. But God wants us to increase with ever-increasing transformation. Glory. We're no longer blinded. We are, we can see. We are no longer in ignorance. It was taken away. Our blindness was taken away. Blindness of the mind, the hardness of our heart. We were once, you know, critical, prideful, arrogant. I know how to do, I can run this restaurant better than that person. Can't believe they're late with my food again. We become arrogant and proud to, oh, let's pray for the waitress today. She's having a rough day. Nobody's like that, right? We're still in bad, uh, yeah. I know. We have free access to God now. We become more happy. We have freedom. We're being transformed. When I was uh, a younger Christian, I didn't know God very well. I started to believe in him at a very young age, like five or so. But I really didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus until probably age 16, 17. When I started reading my Bible and started to really get to know God and hear him, uh, hear his heart through his scripture and hear him speak to me in a still small voice and hear preachers that would preach up and things I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And I would, you know, be under dis, uh, discipleship in a crew and people would pour into me and then I would learn to pour into others and it was like, wow, this is really I'm growing. So I grew from the time I was five to the age I was 16. And if I was still at the same spiritual level I was at 16, that would not be probably very good, right? God has matured me since 16. He has, he has shown me more about himself with ever-increasing glory, being transformed, being made new. When I was a teenager, I used to, uh, I remember uh, many times, you know, I loved God, at least I said I loved God, but I also loved a lot of things in the world. I loved to ski. I loved my girlfriend, girlfriend, <laughs> girlfriend, single. Uh, <laughs> I loved, uh, I loved um, sports. I loved television. And a lot of times, if I can be a little bit transparent with you, I would even ask God. How much of the world, or how many things can I do in this world and still be saved? How far can I, can I be really transparent with you? How far can I go with my girlfriend and still be saved? That's the real questions. How far can I, what movies can I really watch? And, so, and I started, you know, because <laughs> the Bible talks about, hey, any kind of sin outside of, any kind of sex outside of marriage is sin. The Bible says to not let any profanity come out of your mouth. What words can I say without being sinful? And so I'd always look at how much can I, it's almost in my mind, in my heart, my, my life was about how much could I still do of the world and get away with it? That's where my life was as a 16, 15-year-old teenager. 
how much can I do in this world and play around in this world and still be fireproof? I didn't have a real relationship with Jesus. I was a Christian. I believed in God, but I didn't have a relationship. And then I realized later in life, looking back, especially now, that I was asking the wrong questions. I was blinded still that I thought the world and, you know, doing the things in the world or being with my girlfriend further would make me happy when God was the one that was offering me this ever-increasing transformational glory to glory. And I was asking the wrong questions. I was heading in the wrong perspective. I was like looking as if the world could please me while I'm living for God. But what the world had to offer is sin, sickness, disease, and death. And by the way, we all have to fight through that, don't we? But God wants our hearts to be transformed from that to him. That our eyes shouldn't be on how much can I do here, but how much can I get fall in love with Jesus? How can I increase this this ever-increasing glory and this freedom, how can I get to know him better? That's where our attention and focus should be. There's this uh, great story in 2 Kings that is not very often used in scriptures, and you'll find out why, uh, uh, in sermons, and you'll find out why in a second. Before I do, let me ask you this question. When it comes to transformation, are you being transformed more like Christ? like the scripture talks about in 2 Corinthians? Or are you being transformed more like your old self? Or more like the world? I want you to just answer this question honestly for a second. You don't have to shout out your answer. Just really process this for a second. Have you grown closer to Jesus in this last month or further away? How about since the pandemic? Have you grown closer and fallen more in love with Jesus? Or have you been just a neutral or maybe drifted away and allowed other things into your life? In 2 Kings, there's a city, God, one of God's cities in, Samaria, in uh, yeah, Samaria. And it was surrounded by, the, um, by an army, the Arameans. And they, the Arameans were basically going to starve out God's people. And so they waited it out. They just kind of were camp camped around the whole city. And because of this, for months, they, the people in the city couldn't go in, couldn't go out, couldn't trade, couldn't get food. They had to use all, they used up all their supplies now, and they were starving to death. Literally, people were dying. And it had gotten so bad that uh, they actually had to start eating babies. This is in the Bible. This is the scripture. This is why people don't preach this very often. But I don't think I could leave this part out because... I just want to show you the harshness of where this was right now. The city was being surrounded. They were about to all die um, by starvation. There's nothing they could do. And on the city gate of the wall to get in and out of the city were four lepers. Lepers would usually hang out there because they were asking for, uh, they couldn't work, they couldn't be around. So they would ask and beg for food and beg for whatever, but obviously they weren't getting any food and they were starving too. And so the story picks up, I'm going to pick up the story right there. In 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 7, it says, Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. 
So let's go to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we will live. If they kill us, we will die. And so here's their logic, right? In the city, they were dying. The famine had gotten a hold of everybody, and people didn't have anything. And so they're like, if we go back to the city, we're going to die. If we stay here on the outside of the city, right here at the gate, uh, there's no food coming in or out, we're going to die. So let's go uh, present ourselves to the enemy, the Arameans, and say to them, hey, can we have some food, (laughs) basically? They're lepers. Maybe they won't mess with us. You know, because we have these disease and they might, be, they might just like say, stay away, we'll give you food. Or they might just kill them. But their only hope was to do this. Now, the day before this, the prophet had told the king that by this time tomorrow, that food would be plenty. And so here's these four lepers now, and they have this choice to stay, to go back to the city, or to go out. They decide to go out, and what had happened is God had confused the minds of the enemy with the sound of chariots and horse hoofs and so loudly that they thought this huge army was coming to attack them so that Samar- the, our, the uh, our, our Arameans I keep messing that word up sorry the Arameans fled and left everything behind they were so scared that they just took up and ran for their lives as if this, this huge army was coming against them that really wasn't even there And so they all fled, they all left, and left behind great plunder in all their tents that they had been living there for quite a while now, starving out the city. And in those tents were all kind of food, all kind of weapons, they had horses and all the different things. And so the lepers go out there to find nobody except all this plunder and all this food. And so if you keep reading the story... They go in there, and they go in the first tent, and they eat all the food in this first tent. They go to the second tent, and they start eating all this food. And then they're like, they start feeling bad. It's like, hey, maybe we should go tell the people in the city that nobody's out here. Maybe we should share, you know, so that the people in the city won't die. And so, you know, they go back to the city. They tell everybody what's happening. They didn't believe them, so they sent out a few horses to make sure they weren't lying. And sure enough, they weren't lying, and uh, that city was saved that day. Now... How, what is, how does this apply to me? What, Rich, why, why are you even telling this story? We, like the lepers, really have three choices. We can go back to the old world, back to the city. But in the city, we've already lived there. We've already been in the world. We've already lived the things of the world. We've already been down that road. We've already sinned. We've already gone in darkness. We've already, we've already done all those things. And we know there's nothing there in those old ways that has anything for us. They don't bring life, they bring death. They don't bring hope, they bring despair. If we go back to the, you know, if you look around the world for a little bit, in the last 20 years, the depression rates and the suicide rates have skyrocketed. Now, you can choose to go back into the world. How much can I get away with like I was when I was a teenager? Or I can go flirt around with the things of the world and you can get mixed up in that but it's not bringing you any more happiness. And the Bible says that you are to be transformed. You need to be transformed. Not just come to Jesus. That's the transformation, the first transformation, the number one transformation. But you need to be continually transformed. Again and again and again and again. Day by day by day. So just like the lepers, they could go back, but they know that they would die there. And if you go back into the world and go back to the way you used to live, and if you backslide and say, you know what, I don't want... 
I, I'm going to choose to go live my own way. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what the culture's doing. I, I want to, I, and you choose to go back there, then you too will die. You will spiritually die. You will fall away from Jesus. You will not be transformed. You will not go to ever-increasing glory. Now, the lepers could have stayed where they were at the city gates just observing everything. They could have just stayed put, right? But they would have surely died there too because there's no food coming in or out. There's nothing to do. They would starve to death. We have that opportunity too to just stay where we are. Okay, God, I'm not going to go back in the world, but I'm also not going to progress in you either. I'm gonna just, I thank God that I'm saved. I thank God that you rescued me from hell, and I thank you that you, 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 you forgave my sins and that you continue to forgive my sins. But I'm going to just stay, you know, kind of in this place in between the world and the blessings of God. I'm just going to stay here because I want to play in both worlds a little. If you aren't becoming like Christ, you are becoming more like the world. If you aren't being transformed into the image of Christ, and if you aren't growing in him, you are backsliding. It's like, you know, I remember Pastor Mike told the analogy, it's like riding a bike, right? You can't ride a bike if it's not moving. Right? You get on a bike and don't pedal. Keep trying it again and again. It doesn't do any purpose. And that's where some of us are in our relationship with Jesus. We're just kind of stagnant, apathetic, complacent. I'm okay right here. I'm okay not being transformed anymore. I'm okay just being where I am. Where God has so much more for you. So many more purposes. So much more to do. uh, So much more blessings in your life. A whole plunder like these lepers found, is waiting for you. Of promises that God has for you, of the future that he, and the destiny that he has for your life and for your family's life and your family's family's life. And the third option that these guys had was, well, you know what? In, <laughs> we, we know we're going to die back there. We know we're going to die if we stay here. Then you know what? We may die if we go forward, but at least we could try because that's our only hope. And so they, they went and they secured all this plunder. And God blessed them. And they ate. And that they didn't even only eat. But because they were blessed so much, they saved the whole city with all this food and plunder. Now, we likewise, when we move forward into the promises of God and the things that he's called us out to do, it may seem scary at times. It may seem like this is uncomfortable. This is out of my comfort zone. It's kind of like, I, I, don't, I, I know this is what I'm supposed to do, but I don't, it's tough. It's hard. I'm comfortable back here in the city. I'm comfortable in the world. This is what I'm used to. I like being here. There's no threat. There's no enemy around. But I'm telling you right now that God's will for you in your life is to not be stagnant, but to press forward in him, to go forth we can't stay here. This is what these guys, the leper says. We can't go back. We can't stay here. We will die if we stay here. We've got to go forward. We have to move forward. And I'm telling you today, guys, you can't stay here. We can't stay where we are. You can't stay where you are. You have to move forward. You need to grow in the Lord. You need to grow up in the things of the Lord. 
I need to grow up in the things of the Lord. We all need together to grow up in Jesus. We need to move forward in God. We don't need to stay where we are. We need to go forward in what he has for us. You in your life, for your life, need to go forward in your relationships, especially your relationship with Christ, but in your marriages, in, in your businesses. Things need to progress to move forward in the Lord. It's amazing that when we move forward in the Lord and start to pursue the things of God and the things that he has for us, and even that relationship with Jesus, that there's so much plunder that it will not only just save us, but our whole family and our family's families. It'll, it'll run over, just like the lepers, that you had all this, and it saved not just them, it saved the whole city. God, as we move forward in him and the purposes and the callings of our life, is really the only way. To move forward in the Lord is if we really want to help others, we ourselves first need to move forward in the, into the promises of God. We need to move forward because we can't stay here. We need to move forward because the blessings of God are there for us. God wants us to be transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. You say, well, I don't know how to do that. How do I be transformed? How do I do this? You know, my wife shared with me this week that, you know when you sleep, there's like uh, something that washes your brain. I don't know what it was, but something washes your brain. Scientists found out that you sleep and it, it, it changes your mind. It, it, it cleans your brain and it gives you rest and you wake up refreshed. Even, I love naps. Does anybody love naps? When, it, when I was a kid, I thought they were punishment, but now as an adult, I'm like, please. <laughs> It's like you wake up from even a 10-minute nap, and it's like, you're like, whoa, I'm like fresh, you know? Like, and then so something happens, something transforms. And the Bible says in Romans 12, too, it says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. In other words, don't go back into the sea. Don't go back into the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. Let your mind be renewed. How do I renew my mind? Do I, oh, so Richard, you're saying I need to sleep? <laughs> well, that might help for some of us at times, especially if you have young children, but... Uh, you know, what the Bible is talking about is that the Bible says that this word, the word of God, washes us. It cleans us. I did a message on this a few months ago about how when we get into this word, it's like taking a shower, right? It washes our minds. It, it cleans us. It, it divides truth and lies. The mistakes that we start to make and don't even realize are exposed. The, the sins that we start to get entangled again, we don't even realize it, are, are, are laid bare. And we, can, we start to see these things. And, and the Bible, when we read it, when we get into it, it really transforms us. If you want to be transformed into what God has called you to be, if you want to have a relationship with Jesus and go forward into the promises of God and all that he has for you, you've got to dig into this. You've got to study it. The Bible says to study this, meditate on it day and night, so you'll be careful to, be, to do everything that's written in it, and you'll be successful and prosperous, prosperous and successful. If you want to be transformed and move forward like the lepers did, you need to get in the word of God. This will transform your life. It'll help you to uh, be saved from, from so many obstacles and so many hard, hard, harsh, harsh things that will affect your life. This will save you. This will transform you. It'll renew your mind. The reason we have church, the reason we get together is to talk about these things, to preach this word. When you come here, it's like, it's like, hey, how is God going to challenge me again? What are things in my heart and my mind that need to be tweaked just a little bit or, or redirected a little bit? 
and we are under the word of God being preached every week. The word of God is powerful. It's active. It's strong, right? It goes forth. And as we preach it, that's why we come to church. We also come to church. Uh, church, church transforms us. We come and we get in the presence of God. And in the presence of God, amazing things can happen. When you get into the presence of God and really worship Jesus and not just come and uh, sing along with some songs, but really sing those songs to Jesus, and he, you start to have that relationship, worshiping him, then he starts to come back, and he'll start to come in your heart, and he'll start to transform uh, all kinds of things. He'll, he'll, he'll cause this great love. Uh, you'll start to realize the love that he has for you, and you'll start to realize, wow, I really love him too. And, and this relationship starts to develop when we encounter God. Discipleship is a huge uh, way to transform. People sharpen us. The Bible says as, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, right? We know that our friends, if we want friends, after time, we're going we're gonna to sharpen each other. We're going to have arguments. We're going to have differences. And those differences and arguments help us to see, oh, there's some things in me that may not be right. Marriage does that, right? You're married, same thing. You're living with somebody all the time. There's going to be some... Okay, am I going to be patient or am I not? Am I going to try to be understanding and merciful or am I going to be harsh? Am I, oh, I realize I'm not even thinking right. Right? Whatever. These things, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. We sharpen one another. Discipleship, crews, small groups do that, plus teach us the word of God, which continues to wash us. It's a, and it's an ongoing process. We should be in a constant state of transformation. From ever, forever increasing glory. God wants you to be continually transformed into his image. With ever increasing glory. The whole reason that we were created was to be in a relationship with God. And we know that because of the fall of man, now we were separated from God. And ever since then, God has been doing all he can to bring us back into that relationship again. And that's why he sent Jesus, his son, to die on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven and have that relationship with him. But that relationship doesn't happen just in that moment of salvation. It happens continuously from that time on. It doesn't stop there. It'd be like me, you know, coming up on the stage and getting married to Naomi, saying, you know, do you promise to love each other for sickness and health? Yeah, yeah. And then I walk away and never talk to her again. What kind of marriage is that? What kind of relationship is that? God wants us to be transformed into his image. We need to have a relationship with Jesus more and more and deeper and deeper, stronger and stronger. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe you're here today and you don't have that relationship with Jesus at all. Maybe you've never had the opportunity or maybe you've kind of you know, went back into the city, you went back into the world, and you've kind of, you know, lost, lost your way with God. But today, God is giving people opportunities, again, to come to him. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And today, you have that opportunity to receive from him. So if you're here today and you say, you know what, that's me. I need that relationship with Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe coming back to God. Either way, would you just lift your hands just so I could see it with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed? That's you. I want a relationship with Jesus. See your hand. Anybody else? I need a relationship with Jesus. I see your hand. I see your hand. 
But I want everybody, everybody to say this prayer with me for those that raise their hands in this place. Would you say, Lord Jesus, I need you. You are the hope of the world. You're the hope of my life. I ask that you forgive me for doing the things that have separated me from you. I believe that you died on the cross in my place to pay for those things so that I can be forgiven and be made whole so that I can have a relationship with you. I receive that now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for those that just did that in this place. For the rest of you, God wants to continually give us a stronger and stronger relationship with him. Ever-increasing glory. Next week, you should be stronger in the Lord. And I know it's, it's, uh, there's seasons of valleys and heights, but overall, we should be growing in our relationship with Jesus. We should be stronger in our, in our love for him than we were last year, or five, and way stronger than we were five, ten years ago. And next year, we're going to be even stronger, and we're going to see even more of him and know more of him, ever-increasing, ever-increasing glory. Amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord today. Thanks again for checking out this message from Believer's Chapel. You know, the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And it's our hope that you will make today that day to call upon the name of the Lord and to give your life to him. If you'd like to speak to a pastor, please take out your phone, text 315-444-2100, and somebody from our team will be in touch with you. Also, if you're making the decision to follow Jesus from the first time today, text the word Jesus to that number, 315-444-2100, and we would love to celebrate with you. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.